What's up, guys? Welcome to this month's bonus episode of the Watermark Students Podcast. In a moment, you'll listen in on this month's Shoreline, where a high school student shares their testimony of God's work in their life, followed by a message which we believe will be helpful and applicable to your life as a teenager. We're so glad you're here, and without further delay, let's tune in. Hi everyone, my name's Emerson Campion and I'm a junior at J.J. Pierce High School. I have a new life in Christ and I'm recovering from pride, lust, apathy, and discontentment. I'm blessed to have grown up in the church and have had amazing parents that have taught me who Christ is and what he's done for me. I accepted Christ at the age of six after seeing my sister do it, but I didn't fully understand what it meant to live a faithful life centered around the Lord. Throughout elementary school, I struggled with lustful thoughts and lacked the self-control to take them captive. I was unaware of its sin and assumed that I had a perfect relationship with Christ since I knew all the right answers at church. Once I joined a small group in sixth grade, I became aware of the impure thoughts that filled my mind. After talking with my leaders and parents, I was faithfully shown what it looks like to guard my heart and flee from these thoughts. Turning to Christ, confessing and holding the, whoa, and holding fast truth to the First Corinthians 10.13 that says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. At the start of middle school, I began to struggle with pride and perfection as I started setting extreme measures for myself in every area of life. If I met these standards, I saw myself as better than everyone else, but if I didn't, then I viewed myself as a failure. In seventh grade, my Nana passing away only added to my hunt for satisfaction in my performance. I began focusing on trying to be the best at sports, having the best grades, and being the perfect Christian girl. Coming out of COVID and going into high school only fed my desire for satisfaction and joy. I compared my faith to others and saw myself as better than those around me and thought that I could take a break from growing my relationship with Christ. Freshman year hit me really hard with classes feeling overwhelming and with stress with a busy schedule. Instead of turning to Christ, I turned to friends and mindless tasks to keep me distracted. I stopped examining my heart and confronting the negative emotions I was facing. I got really good at being able to put on a mask and lie about how I was really doing by saying all the right things in small group and telling my parents only 99% of what I was actually feeling. Apathy and discontentment entered my life as I continued to keep myself busy to escape the sinful and negative thoughts that I had built up in my heart. I kept saying that I knew that God was the only source of my joy, but I obviously wasn't living it. The apathy led me to fall back into my old habits of lust. I knew how to flee it and how to fight it, but I was choosing not to. I was fully aware of my sin, but I didn't hate it. I kept clinging to anything that I thought that would bring me joy, but these temporary highs kept me leaving, longing for more. As sophomore year started, I grew anxious as I was injured for months and classes were harder than I was expecting. I continued to dismiss my feelings of anxiety, stress, and fear and bottled them up as I turned to fun circumstances, lust, and homework to keep me distracted from what I was actually feeling. Eventually, by the grace of God, I felt convicted of my sin and knew I needed to confess it. Sadly, I let fear get in the way of telling my parents as I waited for the perfect time to confess it. Thankfully, One day, my mom randomly asked me how I was doing with my thoughts, and I broke down and told her everything. I decided to go to Region for Students here at Watermark, and I can confidently say that it was one of my best decisions ever. I learned what it looked like to bring my sin to the surface and let others in. 
Through inventory, I found that the root of my sin was my pride. Thinking I was too good for God's grace is what led me to grow numb to his mercy. As I walked through the steps of healing and finding freedom from my sin, my desire to turn to him in my brokenness allowed me to flee the temptations and find peace and rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a joy it is to have a loving God who sympathizes with us and meets us where we are. You do not have to work to be perfect in order to find peace in him. Throughout the summer, I continued to learn that joy was not found in fun events, as many of my summer plans got canceled. Starting my junior year, my sister left for college, which left me unexpectedly feeling lonely and bored at home. I started filling my time focusing solely on schoolwork and striving to be perfect in every class. However, through godly friends, small group leaders, and parents, I've been reminded that my worth is not tied to my performance and that grades have no eternal value. Through prayer and devoting time daily to remind myself of the gospel, I've been able to battle my pride through what Christ did for me on the cross. It's still a daily challenge to choose to guard my heart and feed my soul with godly things by sending my mind on things above. If you can relate to any part of my story, I want to remind you of these things. Don't minimize or excuse your sin. Instead, bring it directly to Jesus who has already suffered the punishment that we deserve. There is nothing in this entire world that can bring you joy apart from the Lord. No test grade or fun experience can provide the eternal joy that comes from devoting and trusting in the Lord daily. James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I challenge you today to bring your sins into the light and to cling to the joy that Christ has given us. Let your own unrighteousness drive you towards Christ instead of the things of this world. Face the trials and negative emotions that come your way by laying down your own plans and desires at his feet so that you may live an eternal life full of everlasting joy. Thank you for listening to my story. Amen. You may take a seat. Let me take a seat. My name is Jermaine Harrison, and if we have not met, I am so glad that you decided to gather together with us um, tonight at Shoreline. A couple of things. First of all, before we move on um, into what we're going to learn from God's Word, uh, the senior that was up on stage a little while ago, Will Stacy. tonight is literally his last night in America. Tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., him and his family are moving to China because of his dad's job. They're moving overseas, and he chose a one of the last things that he would do um, here in the United States of America is to come gather with us and worship with us and to be reminded of God's truth. Will, we love you. We're grateful for you. I'm grateful for you, and uh, I'm excited for what the Lord has for you next, bro. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes. And then secondly, in my... Um, picture in that game. Guys, come on. There's two holidays that we celebrate on October 31st. One is Halloween, and what's the other one? Thank you very much, hence why I was dressed up like a monk. I heard y'all being like, why is he, what's going on there? October 31st, Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses uh, because he wanted to reform what the church believed about grace through faith in, in Jesus alone and there you go. If you, if you never knew that before, that's what we also celebrate on October 31st. All right, we're going to continue our um, series that we've been going through this, this, this semester, and I'm going to start by asking you a question. How many of you guys, are there any of you that have ever um, needed stitches? For whatever reason, yep, yep, we got some people in the room. The majority of people in the room have needed stitches at a time in the past. Well, I'm going to tell you a story um, about a time where I needed stitches, and it'll set up where we're going. So it was early high school, 
And um, I uh, was at home in the afternoon, one day after school, I was, uh, I'd finished my homework, I was hanging out and I was watching TV, I was watching Nickelodeon, you guys maybe have never heard of Nickelodeon, I was watching this show called All That, which was um, a clean uh, teenage version of maybe Saturday Night Live, I don't know, something like that would be how you'd describe it. And so I was sitting in my living room, we had a long living room at the time at the house that we lived in, and so like the couches were really far away from the, the TV, and I was still too cool to admit that I needed glasses and I couldn't see, and that I needed to squint to see, you know, the screen or, or the, the chalkboard, those used to exist also in classrooms. Anyways, so I would sit on this coffee table in our living room um, because the TV was too far from the couch so I could watch this show. The only problem was it was a wooden outlined coffee table and the actual table itself was made of glass. It was a glass sheet at the top. And so as I was watching this show, enjoying it, laughing, and leaned back, I heard a crack and I fell inside of the coffee table, breaking the glass, and my first thought was, my mom is gonna kill me for sitting on the coffee table and watching TV and breaking it. And so I rushed towards the kitchen, I'm full of adrenaline, I'm like so nervous, I'm like, I gotta clean this up before my mom gets home. And I look back, and there's a trail of blood all along the floor in the house, and I was like, Where's this blood coming from? I don't even, I don't even feel or know where the, there's a cut. And so I start looking around my body and I look on my elbow and there's a huge gash. And I think to myself, it's not that bad. It's gonna be fine. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom and like rinse it off and, and, and I'm gonna be fine. So I put my elbow over the sink like this and the cut's like right here. And this bone, you know, your elbow, it was like literally coming out of my body um, because, of, because of the cut. And that's when I realized, wait, I need some serious medical attention. This isn't just, oh, a little cut that I'm gonna put, you know, a, a Band-Aid on and I'll be fine. Luckily, my parents are arrived home like just in that moment. They took me to the emergency room and I got seven stitches on my right elbow. I think there's a picture of it, uh, of the, the, the stitches there. Seven stitches right here. The reason it's so wide is because I was an idiot and you know was pulling the stitches out before it was healed. And so that's why it's such a, a wide cut. But anyways, um, my parents helped me in that moment when I really, really needed their help. And the reason I kind of started there is because in that moment, I was trying to figure it out on my own. I was trying to clean up the mess before my parents came home. I was trying to um, solve the problem and not be a bother to my parents, not be an inconvenience. But what I needed wasn't to try to do it on my own, wasn't to try to cover it up, wasn't to try to make it seem like it wasn't that big of a deal. I needed serious medical attention. And the question I wanna, I wanna invite you to consider is this. What might be going on in your life right now that needs immediate attention? Maybe it's not a, a, a physical injury. Maybe it's something more, um, maybe even more serious, more challenging, more hurtful. What's going on in your life right now that needs immediate attention? Because we all need something. Maybe some of you, you need um, some physical rest. You're exhausted from all the, the homework and the, the studying and the working on projects and the busyness of your, your, your high school schedule. 
Maybe what you need right now is physical rest. Some of you, you might need relief or rest in terms of uh, emotional pain or even physical, uh, or physical pain. That there's something going on that has caused you anxiety, discouragement, uh, despair, sadness, sorrow, grief. Maybe you might need restoration in your family. Maybe there's some brokenness, some conflict. Maybe there's divorce that just happened or maybe it seems like it's about to happen or the relationship between you and your siblings isn't what you'd want it to be. Maybe you need better grades. Maybe you need freedom from guilt and shame. Maybe you need uh, healing from loss. I know for a fact that every single one of us in this room right now is in need of something that needs immediate attention. And there's no use hiding it or trying to figure it out on your own and doing it yourself. Because I have amazing news. There's someone who can more than meet whatever that need is, whatever came to your mind when I asked that question, what's going on in your life that needs immediate attention, whatever that is, I am excited to share with you tonight that Jesus more than meets those needs. So that's what we're going to spend the next few moments um, uh, exploring, this idea of how Jesus more than meets our needs. So like I said at the beginning, we've been going through a school year series called See You at the Shoreline, where we've been looking at um, lessons and encounters with Jesus that happened at the shoreline when he was here uh, physically on earth, um, you know, over 2,000 years ago. And so tonight is no different. We're going to look at a miracle that happened at the shoreline. The miracle, you've probably heard of it. You've probably read it before. It's the story of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to the the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter 6. And we're going to spend our time reading through um, verses 30 through 44. Matthew chapter, I mean, sorry, not Matthew, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. And as we observe this miracle, what we're going to see is that Jesus wasn't just performing a magic trick. He wasn't just doing something cool so that people could be impressed um, by his power. There was a message um, in this miracle. Lots of scholars assume that uh, the story says that there were 5,000 men that experienced this miracle. And so there's probably thousands upon thousands of women and thousands of kids that were also there. And so let's go with the conservative number that at the feeding of the 5,000, there were really 15,000 people. And we'll see how Jesus more than meets their needs and how he more than meets our needs. So we'll look at um, the fact that whether you're a Christ follower or a part of the crowd, Christ is more than enough for your needs. And so as we jump into this text, I want you to maybe even consider where you are. Maybe you're a part of the crowd. The crowd is this massive group of 15,000 people who are curious about who Jesus is and about his teachings, and about this idea that trusting him would bring them into right relationship with God. They're curious, they're searching. And I would imagine that there's some people in the room that would fall into that category. And then there's the the Christ followers, um, who are Jesus' disciples. They're committed to following Jesus. They're committed to learning and growing um, every day. And and I know that there are students in this room right now or listening um, that are committed um, Christ followers. So, 
We'll look at those two groups of people and we'll see how Christ more than meets their needs. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to read through a couple of verses at a time, make a, a few observations that are true from the text, and then kind of interpret them in our lives in 2022 and then apply them I apply those uh, interpretations to our lives, okay? So we'll read, we'll observe, we'll interpret, and then we'll apply, and we'll do that a couple times through this text. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. It says this, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away into the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So picture this. The disciples had just gone on a mission that Jesus had sent them out on to perform miracles, to heal people, to raise individuals from the dead, to share the gospel, to bring others into a clearer understanding of who Jesus is. And so they had worked tirelessly for who knows how long, right? And they were exhausted and there was no time to rest. And Jesus says, hey, let's go take a break. Like, let's literally, let's go on vacation. Let's go on a retreat where we can relax and and refresh and be re-energized. But what we see is that the Christ followers, the observation is that the Christ followers needed rest, but their rest was interrupted, right? Because as we just read, they were going to this desolate place, and as soon as they got on the land, literally, can you you imagine this? 15,000 people had heard about Jesus, had heard about his miracles, had heard about the, the message that he had come to proclaim, that life was found in him, that they could be reconciled to God through trusting in, in Jesus. And so these people are curious, and they're all like sprinting to get to where they are on, on the land, right? And so the Christ followers needed rest, but their rest was interrupted. Now, what does that mean, or how does that apply to our lives today? The first thing is that Jesus cares about our physical and emotional condition. Like right now, you, if you're exhausted, if you're tired, if you're hurt physically or emotionally, Jesus cares about it. And we see that through the fact that when uh, these disciples had come back from doing their, their work of service, Jesus was the one that came up with the idea, right? Let's go away somewhere um, that's, you know, secluded and desolate so that we can take a break and rest. So wherever you are, however busy you are, however exhausted you are, what a comforting fact to know that Jesus actually cares about you your physical condition, and your emotional condition. Here's the other thing that we observe from uh, those few verses. Sometimes in life, things don't go as expected. Sometimes in life, things don't go as expected. So the disciples and Jesus were on this boat, and they were going to this this, um, secluded place so that they could rest and relax and be restored, right? That was the plan. And what happened? When they landed uh, on shore, there were 15,000 people waiting for them to guide them, to lead them, to shepherd them, to provide for them. And and Matt, put yourself in that position uh, for a moment. 
you're so exhausted from serving and leading and you're going to take a break and in the very moment where you're about to enjoy and experience that rest, there's another interruption. Wouldn't you be maybe annoyed, frustrated, uh, discouraged, right? That's probably what you'd be. Um, When I was reading this text and preparing for tonight, I thought about us Uh, Our students, uh, a few of us went on a trip this last summer um, to the Dominican Republic to serve uh, with a bunch of um, Dominican and Haitian pastors and their churches, and we would put on vacation Bible schools and run around all day. We would share the gospel. We would play sports. We put on sports camps. We painted houses. We we, um, led people to Jesus. It was so fun. It was so much work. And at the end of the week, we were exhausted because we had served all week tirelessly. And guess what happened? We were supposed to get back to um, Dallas on Saturday night. And the majority of us didn't get back to Dallas until Sunday night slash Monday morning because it was past midnight. And here's a couple of pictures of us stuck at the airport in sadness and sorrow, ready to go home. This picture is of us when I'm telling them the news. Guys, we don't have a plane. We can't leave the Dominican Republic. And they won't let us back into the airport. We have to sleep in this outside area, literally on the concrete floor, uh, in the open air for anyone to come get us if they wanted to. That's what happened to us. It wasn't going as expected. It was terrible. There's a couple of other photos. This is us at 1 a.m. at night getting ready to to fall asleep. Um, We can keep sliding through these. That was for a moment we were in this really air, the only air conditioned like room. It was like an ATM um, area. And so we were all packing in there trying to be be cold and fall asleep. And the security people get in there and they're like, y'all got to go. And we're like, are you serious? And so we all had to sleep outside on the floor. Anyways, if you think that that sounds so fun and so amazing, look at these faces and be guaranteed that it was not fun. That's how you look after sleeping on the floor and being stranded in the Dominican Republic for 24 hours. Anyways, the the reason I I use that example is, is to illustrate that point, right? Sometimes life doesn't go as expected. And so the application that I want to give you as we move out of um, this segment of scripture is this. How am I allowing my expectations to dictate my outlook? You can, you know, replace that word outlook for attitude or mood or perspective. How am I allowing my expectations of how life is supposed to go to impact my outlook? Right? We all have expectations. It's not bad to have expectations in, uh, in your life, in your relationships, at school, or wherever you might find yourself. That's normal. That's human. But the thing is, uh, how we respond when those expectations are missed is really, really important. And so I think that's a question for all of us to consider. How am I allowing my expectations that if they're missed, that it, it dictates how I, how I live my life, how I view um, the world, how I view Jesus even? And I love how we get an example of how we are to respond from Jesus himself in Matthew, I mean in Mark, chapter 6, verse 34. It says this, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them 
many things. Think about this. They're exhausted. They're tired. They're ready for rest. And they they come ashore. And there's 15,000 people who are curious, who are maybe lost, who are broken, who are lonely, who are questioning. And they've heard some things about this Jesus guy. And in a moment where they could have easily um, been frustrated or annoyed and said, guys, can you leave us alone for a couple days so we can take a break? That's not how Jesus responds. Instead, he has compassion on them and he begins to teach them many things. So here's our observations. The crowd needed care, the crowd needed guidance, and the crowd needed hope. If you find yourself in that crowd group that you're curious, um, that you're, you have questions about Jesus, and this might be true of you, that you need care, that you need guidance, and that you need hope. And Jesus wants to give you that care. He wants to give you that guidance. He wants to give you that hope. And what does that mean if we interpret it for the majority of us? I think this is, this is really helpful. Jesus never sees you as an interruption. Jesus never sees you as an interruption. He didn't come on shore and see the 15,000 people and go, are you serious? I was ready to take a nap. That's not what he did. We're told that he has compassion on them because Jesus never sees us as an interruption. So the question for you, the application is, how do you think God views you and your needs? Do you think that your struggles, your challenges, the things that you need the most right now are just an interruption to Jesus? If that's what you think, that's not who Jesus is. He wants to meet you with compassion and he wants to teach you all things. Very specifically, I want to address something that's uh, on the rise in our world today. Um, Deaths of despair where people lose hope in life is becoming far too common in our world. You know it. Your peers, people that you know, um, people that you vaguely know, um, or people that are maybe were dear friends to you, maybe at some point they just lost hope. They lost hope and they, they, they took their own lives because maybe they, they believed the lie that they were in an interruption an interruption to their family or to their friends and to everyone else. That's a lie. Maybe if that's you and you're struggling with that, even in this moment, I want you to hear loud and clear that Jesus never sees you as an interruption and that he gave you life on purpose. He gave you life because he wants to give you meaning and purpose and um, joy in this life. Jesus never sees you as an interruption. He meets you with compassion and he wants to teach you all things. Let's keep going in the story. Uh, Verses 35 through 38 of Mark chapter six. Says this, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages so they can buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus, he answered them, you give them something to eat. 
And they said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. And so you see the, the situation we're in. This 15,000 person crowd, they rushed to Jesus and the disciples when they're trying to take a break, when they're trying to experience some rest. And Jesus had compassion on them because he wanted to shepherd them, guide them, and provide for them. And so he taught them for hours on end. And now it was getting late in the afternoon. And the disciples are like, Jesus, send them home so they can get some food and so that it doesn't get too late while they're on their way home. And Jesus is like, nah, you feed them. You tired disciples who are ready for rest physically and emotionally, you feed them. Isn't that interesting? So what we observe is that the crowd needed food and Jesus gave the job of feeding them to the Christ followers. The crowd needed food and Jesus gave the job of feeding this 15,000 person crowd to his followers. And what we, what we interpret from that for, for us in our lives today is that Jesus wants us to depend on him and not on ourselves. Remember their excuse? They're like, bruh, we can't feed 15,000 people. You want us to get uh, however many denarii, 200 denarii, which is about eight months worth of wages at that time. Where are we going to get this money from, Jesus? How are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to solve this problem? How are we going to meet this need? We can't do it. And that's exactly Jesus' point, isn't it? That's right. You can't do it. And so Jesus wants them and he wants us to not depend on ourselves but on him. You see, a situation that seems impossible for us with our human resources is simply an opportunity for an amazing, limitless, and powerful God to work. Many of us want to solve our problems our own way, but Jesus challenges us to work with what we have. Like he literally says to them, hey, what do you have? Go and find what food there might be amongst this crowd. And they find the five loaves and the two fish. And so here's the application point here uh, for us, or the question. What do you have that can be offered to God in faith? What's that, that, that little insignificant bread, loaf of bread that you have in your life right now that you can offer to God in faith? Maybe it's a little bit of hope in a hopeless situation. Maybe it's a little bit of obedience when all the people around you are choosing to go their own way. Maybe it's a little bit of dependence on God when you really want to be independent and want control. Maybe it's a little bit of, of trust that you can offer to God in faith. Maybe it's a little bit of joy. Maybe it's a little skill. Maybe it's some energy, some commitment, some time, some humility. Whatever you have, Jesus invites you to offer it to him in faith because he wants us to depend on him and not on ourselves. And the amazing thing is that the little that we have that we offer to Jesus, he does incredible things with it. So let's see what happens. Verses 39 through 42. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass 
So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, that's Jesus, and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. Guys, five loaves. I have five of them right up here. It wasn't like they were all like, okay, everyone, let's take a little crumb, pass this bread around. It says they were all satisfied. 15,000 people were satisfied because the disciples brought to Jesus their little and Jesus blessed it and multiplied it into much. That is incredible. What are you looking to? Um, What do you have that you can... Offer to God in faith. Because here's the truth. Christ is more than enough for the needs of the crowd. Like think about it like this, right? Jesus tells the disciples, hey, tell these people to sit down in groups of 50s and 100s on what? Green grass. What imagery comes to your mind when you think of the concept of Uh, People sitting on green grass and uh, earlier on when it says that this group was like a a, um, sheep without a shepherd. What verse comes to your mind? Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And so in some amazing way, Jesus was even fulfilling that passage of scripture for for that crowd. As he was more than enough for their needs. He has creation at his control. I don't even know how this miracle happened. Was it like, you know, the disciples kept running back and forth to Jesus and he just kept passing out more and more bread? I don't know. Or was it that they all had a little piece and they would go to people and they kept passing it out and it just never ran out? I don't know. But whatever it was, it was the amazing, sovereign, powerful God of the universe who was using a little and making it into much. He has creation at his control, and he'll meet all of your needs. So here's a question for you. Where are you looking for your needs to be met in your life? As you think about the needs that you have that are real and legitimate and are right to be concerned about, where are you looking for those needs to be met? Is it in a person? Is it in a relationship? Is it in a grade? Is it in a change in circumstances? Is it in something else? The truth is that if you're not looking to Jesus as the source of your need being met, you're looking to an incomplete source. You're looking to a source that might give you some level of of satisfaction for a moment, but it's only for a moment. And it's fleeting. Jesus is the only source where you are finally and fully satisfied, where all of your needs are met. You see, this, this miracle of feeding the 5,000 with, with actual bread was amazing in and of itself, but it was to demonstrate an even more significant spiritual truth. That Jesus satisfies you, not just physically, but he satisfies your greatest need with so much more to spare. When Jesus came to this earth and he hung on a cross, having your sin laid on him, my sin laid on him as he hung there on that cross, alone and rejected and suffering for you and I, 
He was making the way, the provision for us to have the most important need in our life met, that we would be reconciled to God. Jesus didn't come to give us an easy life. He came to give us eternal life. So how do you view Jesus? Do you view him as the person who gives you bread, like physical bread that solves your problems that are in your life? Or do you view him as the one that comes to give you spiritual bread, that comes to satisfy your soul, that comes to give you um, true and meaningful and lasting rest and peace? So as we wrap up, let's read these last two verses. Mark chapter 6, verses 43 and 44. So after this amazing miracle, everyone's satisfied. The disciples are going out and they have baskets. And they're picking up leftovers. Y'all, this is such a crazy story. They're picking up leftovers. It says in verse 43, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men like we, we referenced before. Now, how do you end up with more than you started with? How do you end up with more than you started with? Through Jesus. Because Christ is more than enough for your needs. And I think this is the main point of, of, this, of this story. How do you end up with more than you started with? Because of Jesus. Jesus was literally the first person to be like, I'm him. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the place that you come to find full meaning and purpose and hope and eternal life. And everything that you think you might need, you will find it when you find your rest and your hope in me. This miracle could have been uh, done in so many more efficient ways, right? Everyone could have just miraculously felt full. Or maybe everyone could have just opened up their backpacks and there was just a loaf of bread. But some, in some unique way, Jesus wanted to be the person, the source, that everyone would look back to and say, hey, we were satisfied. How? Through him. He did it. He miraculously um, provided for us. So Jesus wanted to demonstrate that true satisfaction flows from him. Whatever you might need right now, no matter how um, hopeless the situation might feel, man, Jesus more than meets your needs. Christ is more than enough for the needs of his followers. And I pray that every single one of you would choose, would decide um, to surrender your life to him and be a follower of his. Christ is more than enough to meet your needs. So how do you end up with more than you started with? Maybe more than you walked into this room with? If you, if you give what you have to Jesus, whatever that little might be, the good news is that you never lose. That's never a trade that you, that you end up losing. When you give what you have to Jesus, you never lose. So I want to give you just one minute um, to reflect on that and reflect maybe on the question, man, what do I need right now? And where am I trying to find a solution to this problem or challenge in my life? And I pray that God's Holy Spirit would reveal to you and show you where you should run. That is to Jesus. Let me pray that you would. 
God, thank you so much for these students, these leaders, all of us. Thank you for this story that you performed this amazing miracle to provide the needs of this crowd and the needs of these disciples. And even more importantly, that you came to be the spiritual bread that we all need. God, would you use us? Would you show us um, where, we, where we might be trying to control our own lives and not surrendering it to you? Pray for every single one of these students in this room listening, that they would find their full satisfaction in you and nowhere else. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Watermark Students podcast. For more information on Watermark Students, check out watermark.org slash students. And we love you guys so much. We're glad you joined us. We hope you share this episode with a friend and we'll talk to you next time.